What's up, people? What's up, What's internet? Y'all? What's up, Willie? Willie Scandals the is there uh, in the crowd right now. Willie Scandals, what up, buddy? Yeah. Um, Alright, so yo, welcome to Bridge the Gap, Sammy Skills And as you can see, we got Crazy Ace in the background over there My name is Holden Stefan Roy And basically, this is the show where we like to take interesting people such as yourself And we want to walk through the story of your life a little bit And get to know you better while extracting knowledge nuggets from your experience While simultaneously, like, trying to document a bit of the story of Montreal Kind of like crazy aces a uh, song except with like a lot more detail <laughs> um yeah so um good luck because like it's been a while you know so ah man and, and a, lot, a lot of smoking a lot of drinking you know what I mean? so <laughs> we'll yeah. get through it though we'll get through it so I'm like what, what, do you, what do you what do you want is what are you Don't asking worry. exactly we're gonna run through it it's a bit of a, a opening question we're going to do that, and then we're okay. going to just kind of walk through your life a little bit. You're born in Montreal, right? Yeah, LaSalle. Awesome. Born so and raised. That's all we need to get the, the story started. The first question, it's a bit long. If you let me get through it, it's going to all make sense when it lands, and then you'll be able to start talking to us, and we can start going through uh, your, your uh, story a little bit. So this all starts with my girlfriend, and uh, she's washing the dishes, right? And she's got her phone open. And she's playing this Black Eyed Peas song. I got a feeling. And she's vibing and she's like dancing and she's doing her thing, right? And I'm looking at her and I'm like, when did this song become chores music, right? Like, is this song, like people put it on now when they're working out, when they're doing dishes, when they're cleaning up. It's become like that kind of a song for a lot of people. But if you think about it like 10 years ago, this was a club banger. This is the song that people was drunk at at 2 in the morning, you know, turning up to. And yeah, then for sure, for sure. 10 years later, it's become like exercise music and stuff. And I thought that was that was just big for me. It was like the song doesn't change at all. But we as people change so much that the song's purpose in our life is completely different than like when we started with it. And that got me thinking a lot about our musical journeys, right? Because like when we start talking about music and when we start doing these interviews and stuff, so often people start talking at that like teenager age and when they started rapping and what their first influences are. But really, if we think about music, music has always been around us, right? Since the minute we're born, somebody's like listening to stuff around us and whatnot. So like, I can remember being like four or five years old. My dad's got the gray boxes, the amp, the radios, the tape decks, everything with the wires going to speakers and shit. Same here. And like, you know, he's busting like Zeppelins and at night it's MC Mario's club mixes and shit. My mom's got like discos <laughs> and like Fuck. fucking, uh, musicals and things like that. Like I, cri- <clears throat> So like all I'm say like all that to say like these were just like a bunch of sounds and things that like they were around like when I was young I heard all this music I had no control over it but it was just always there in the radio the pop songs all that shit all this created like a foundation yeah, for in my sure, life for sure for sure it affected you sorry 
it affected you, Jim. Absolutely. Obviously. Which is why I want to know more about the no, semis. No matter like how crap or good it was, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, there are songs I will never forget from that era, even if they are not very good at all. But with that, no, I, I want us I to go all the way to back to the youngest Sammy skills that you can remember. And shout out Rocky Promotion for the follow. But if you could run us all the way back to the youngest Sammy skills you could remember... And tell us a little bit about what it sounded like to be you growing up in LaSalle when the, everyone else had control over the music around you. Well, we were pretty much poor. We lived in buildings. Me and my brother, Gorilla G-Bone, most of our lives. Uh, the earliest part I, re I remember is like headphones and records everywhere. Mm. And I was, I was like three, four years old. I shouldn't have probably had those big ass Sanyo headphones on at that time. <laughs> like today, today it's a different world, you know. It's like you said, it's workout music, and I get what you mean about that too. Because back in the day, they, you couldn't even get a rap radio play. Right. You know, you you couldn't even get a rap radio play back in the day, and then it just it became acceptable, you know. So I see how you say it's turned out to, to, to working out music. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, even for the, for the people maybe who are not like even entwined in that style of music, you know? Yeah, that's big truth. Um, do you remember what kind of records were lying around back in the day? Uh, Bowie, Zeppelin, uh, Super Champ, uh, Fucking Miles Davis, uh, so much stuff. Yeah, that's like. Uh, a, so you're like four yeah, years old like bumping all this Al stuff. Al Green, Al Green, like a lot of Motown, old Beatles, like old Beatles to the late Beatles till it was done. Uh, like I have a vast, vast like uh, musical. Like I like even now I listen to shit that. Nobody else would be listening to, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's really cool. That's why we like you know? that's why we run it back. We wanna know like how many people are actually like four years old with fat headphones on fucking playing vinyls. Like that's an experience. That certainly yeah. wasn't me growing up. Um But that's like that's a, that's like me and my pops, that was like one of my favorite things to to chill, listen to music with him, you know what I mean? Yeah, I respect that. In my case, it was more like tapes and shit. So it's like even just that, the yeah. vinyls, the evolution of it. So you're like coming in at a certain point when it's like like prior to like hip hop being a cultural phenomenon. And you're like in Montreal, which is already kind of like disconnected from a lot of other things. So like, are you like at that? Yeah, sure. Are you when you're like really young, are you like interested in pursuing music or are you just kind of like a fan of it for a while? Oh, no, like, I always, it's like, that's, it's always been there. Music has always been there in my life. It's never going to leave my life. Um, For sure, I used to fucking pretend I was Kiss, like, jumping on the fucking bed, you know, <laughs> fucking, like, pretending like I was fucking had makeup on and everything and all that shit, you know? Yeah, that's amazing. Which has nothing to do with the makeup on the Caesar album. 
I mean, yeah. may- maybe at like a deep seed yeah. got planted from Mr. Gene Simmons's efforts from when we were real young. Yeah. The demons. <laughs> the demons. Plus, it's marketing genius, you know? Mm. Um, People like that, they're marketing geniuses. They're like, they, they get the big bag, you know? Yeah, it's facts. So as you're like growing up and you have all the records and stuff, um, what kind of stuff does a young Sammy Skills get up to? It might be a weird question for you, but believe it or not, your fans and shit really like hearing your childhood stories of adventures, like jumping around like your kiss. People love that shit. <laughs> well, I love my fans. If I have any, no, I'm just fucking around. I love all you guys, man. I love everybody all around the world. Uh, yeah, no, for sure. Um, I, I was just always a young kid running around acting crazy. School wasn't really my thing. Mm. Always was interested in music. Um, I, I, at one point, I, I, I had a, a, a double deck tape recorder right and it broke and it ended up like it ended up working like a multi-track like a four track so every time i turned the tape over on one and plus pray and record it would play whatever it would record whatever i was playing right through my things and i was talking through my headphones yeah so you're like and that's how we made a rap song <laughs> that was like when did you start doing me that really gee we were like 10 Probably like nah, a little more. You were more about seventeen. I was more about ten, eleven. Yeah, long, okay. long yeah, yeah. Because me, and my brother, come, come get in the screen. Really, G. <laughs> yeah, what's up, How you doing, everybody? G? It's good to see my you, bad my guy. No worries at all. It's good, man. We were just listening to your musics too, along with Sammy. Yeah, no, yeah, he, yeah. yeah. We were too big. We were too big, most Yeah, he, he's, a, he's a secret weapon. Shit. Cause, and people look at him and they're like, you rap? You know, you ever get that? Oh, you rap? And then you blow them the fuck away and they're like, oh, shit. <laughs> what happened? Like, Nobody's threatened by the engineer. You know? That's amazing. They're fucking, yeah. Plus, he records, uh, makes beats, produces most of the stuff, a lot of the stuff we've been working on. All the beats. Yeah. Yeah, I mean. Back to my childhood. Um, it was more like, um, like I didn't live it. Was like, in, I never seen the suburb part of LaSalle, you know? Right. It was still a city. Like, there's all these drugs and everything around, you know what I mean? Not because of my folks and shit, but it's just like. It's just the environment. Like, I, re- I, remember, I remember finding needles on the street, like. Right by Labatt at fucking like four or five years old, you know what I mean? So it's like nah, strange man. times, crazy times, man. So like you grew up in in kind of a rougher environment in the south, and I I don't want to like emphasize that in a negative way. I just think that sometimes people hear some people talk about certain things in their music, and they aren't cognizant of the fact that certain parts of the city are actually a little bit like that. My part of the city is currently very not like that, to my knowledge. But, like, you know, just the fact that up until a certain yeah, point. Yeah, but, bro, this is what it is in, LaSalle, in Montreal. Sorry to cut you off, G. Go for it. But it's like you could be sitting there fucking totally oblivious 
to what what you live around and you don't even know what goes down you know what i mean i have come to learn what you mean a lot more as i talk to people through my adventures and my whole perception especially especially when i heard you came from elmhurst i was like yeah i lived on elmhurst and then i found out i was like yo People get shot. Well, that was back in the day, you know what I mean? That's it. I came to Elmhurst 2012 to like 2016-ish, right? So like a lot of people left Elmhurst, as I understand it, not long after I got there. So it's like okay. I I just happened to go. I guess you could. It's possible I'm part of that gentrifying wave at this point in my life, and I have to kind of admit that's where I'm at with it. But like I just managed to go 33 years in a city without really encountering that other side of the life outside of maybe knowing a few people in hip-hop do a couple of things so it's like to me to find out like that there are a- people would like holding yo these are actual things that, and i'm like oh fuck i mean it makes sense with a city as big as it is and shit but like you can just go here and not be cognizant of some realities that took place for other people because of how big and how ver- uh, diverse the city actually is um sure. yeah it's because, like, like, for so many years, people didn't know all the corruption and all the stuff. And then you turn around and bang, there it is, you know? It's like, well, it's been happening for 40 years. Nobody, <laughs> you know? So it's like, that's like, that that could be anything, you know? Yeah. And so it's like. Like, you can, you can live, like, you can live, like, across the street to a murder or, you know, you don't know what's happening, you know? So who's to say what's a um a crazy neighborhood and a not crazy neighborhood, you know? I mean, that's like, the truth. If of shots it. are going off, that's a crazy neighborhood, you know? <laughs> Stay away from there. But, like, yeah. Um, that's kind of why I appreciate talking to people here is because you get to understand why certain people make the music they make a lot more, like, like, cause when you're kind of ignorant to it, you might not have the full understanding and you might think certain people are kind of faking it or misrepresenting the reality. So hearing that, like you grew up in an environment where it straight up has like needles and shit. It's like, Oh shit. That is not what the fuck it looked like when I grew up in my part of town. And bro, that in fact, if I swear to God, it was right across the street from Hayward park by early. So if anybody even knows that by Barron's, so that's straight facts, you know? Um, but still. Um, I don't want to get into the criminal element. No, 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 no. I'm not meaning either. If, it's, if, 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 if you're asking or if my fans or whoever ever asked or somebody asked, like, oh, this guy is not real. He never went through anything. Like, if you know what I've been through and, like, my past occupations and stuff like that. It's you, not it's you know not even I mean? about your criminal. It's, like, it's just the idea of nah, you being so young like, and being in that environment in and of itself. It's like, I don't think people should rap about stuff that they're not prone to. <laughs> right. And I mean I don't For sure, but what could we do? My mom's didn't have a lot of money, my pops didn't have a lot of money. We were rich, you know. So you you literally you roll with the punches and you do what you gotta do, you know. And you I gotta stay alive no matter what. Just like this pandemic, right? That's true. Um, so yeah, you're like 17, and you guys are kind of figuring out how to record mixtapes. But at what point do you decide you're gonna start rapping? Is it at that point, or is it like before then that you're like freestyling or doing other things? Uh, we were always rapping in the parks and shit like that. Rapping in the parks, 
when we figured out how to make a real song, it was in, in the studio. That's when we finally went to a studio. We got my man, Georgie Carter. He's in Halifax right now. He lives in Halifax. But he, he basically showed, because I went to school for engineering, right? Right. Yeah. I went to school for engineering. And then I was like, then I was like, well, if I would have bought a whole bunch of equipment, I would have fucking learned, learned this, you know what I mean? Yeah. So then once I start going to the studio, we I click with the engineer. He's super cool. And then I, I really know how to use, like, the board and everything else and, like, besides school. Because school is hands-on also, but it wasn't, like, go make your own song, you know, and do what you want. You know what I'm saying? Right. School has, like, a structure to it where you're learning it, but it's under their rules. It's not really, like, free. Um, when, when, when were you doing this, like going to school for this and getting into it? Like, do you remember what year it was about? School, I think it was around 2000. Okay. So you're like, or maybe even earlier. I think it was a bit earlier. It was earlier because 1999 is when I dropped, we, I think we dropped our first track in 99 Damn, and I early. had already hooked up with the guy at the studio. So it must have been a year right before because I was like, I finished the school and I was like, fuck this place because I was in the middle of a forest and I was like, I got to get back home <laughs> to, to the city. You know, I got to get home to Texas and that's what happened. So, But you're saying that like all things considered, as far as like the timeline of Montreal life goes, in 1998, you're learning how to, like, sound engineer and shit. And by, like, 1999, y'all are releasing a song. I mean, all things considered, that's, I'm not going to say the earliest, but fairly early in the process of building up. A, and I'm assuming it's English music, right? Or it could be French. I might be wrong. Yeah. No, no, it's English. So y'all are, like. It's English, and we're, like, we're, we're, we're like one of the first ones out around the southwest area. And along with four in the morning, but I doubt you would know four in the morning. Nah, but, but that's what we're trying to do, right? Like, so you he, say he four in the morning now. Gotta, now we have to go figure out who that person is so we can better understand. The yeah, history. no, he was just on Instagram today. He, he's back. I don't know from where or whatever, but he has uh, hats and shirts for sale. And I think he's still doing things in the game, you know, or I really couldn't tell you. No, nah, it's fair, but the fact that you mentioned his name, Willie remembers his name, it's like, okay, cool. Now it's spoken into the world. We can go figure out who this person is because you said uh, that. Bro, there were so many people. The Butter Babies, um, Offsides. Offsides were crazy for a while. Uh, think, um, Shades of culture. culture. Yeah. Shades of Culture. D-Shade, shout out D-Shade. Um, DG, DG in the house. <laughs> yeah, for sure. There's so so. I when rap started for me, it just started, bro. I just did it, man. I was like, I'm always that type of guy. I don't just like, I don't like. Am I gonna do this? Am I not gonna do this? What? How do I do this? Like, you know, I'm like, fuck it. We're doing it. Let's do it. Boom. This is how you do it. 
So how, so y'all end up in the studio then, y'all end up learning how to, you click with the engineer and you start dropping your own shit in like 99, 2009. Like that's when you all start yeah. like really creating a presence. How does one actually yeah. drop music in 1999? Like, I don't really know how Learn one does CD. this. Like you Learn would do- a CD. And Duke Eatman was the only, it was the guy who played my, my records. <laughs> Right, and that was the guy that was Don, but before Don Smooth, that would be like the hip hop dude in Montreal, correct? Uh, I think it, it, there's one more before that. Okay. Um, so yeah, but yeah, he was like. But the, Duke's at CBC now, and like, you know what I mean? He looks real professional. <laughs> but yeah, he looks super, man. Um, that's still crazy. That's so my, you, that's you like had your. That brother. means you were. In like ninety eight, ninety nine, then having your music played on Montreal radios. Yeah, that's but pretty cool. Not like uh, not any top radios. It's like all the college and and um, and Kanawagi. Mm. That's still because cool. Because Duke, Duke was over there, and you know it's funny. We go there and like we, I think I maybe I told you last time. That's okay. I, we it's go there. Again. And we're like, we go there, nobody's doing this at this time, you know, just like some New York shit. We, we're going there, and we're going to knock on the fucking door and see what happens, you know? We knock on the door, and it's him, Duke Eatman. He opens the door. Come here, guys. Like, if I, if everybody would have thought it was that easy, we would have did it, like, probably, <laughs> like, like, a year and a half before that, you know? Yeah, that's so, a that's a and, big knowledge and nugget. And we kind of started we started a whirlwind because once once people were like shit, we can have our own music on a station that plays like around here. People started doing it, and then so I remember there was a good like uh, eight eight at least eight to ten new acts that came up. Didn't last though. So y'all are saying that you were like one of the first people to realize that you could go to the radio station and just hand the guy the disc and get him to play it, and then you unlock yeah, the floodgate. Yeah, you know why? Because Master P was like my fuck. Sorry, could you repeat that? It cut out for a second. You said Master P. Sorry, I said I said Master P was like like the mentor in my brain. Like you understand what I'm saying? Right. So you saw what was going on and, in other places and brought it back here. Yeah. Or or applied it here. Yeah, that's fresh. I didn't go there. Well, I mean like the concept. So, but through 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 the yeah, through the music. Because we were doing South Beach like fifteen, twenty years ago and and nobody wanted to hear shit about South Beach. <laughs> now 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 everybody plays South Beach. But right. it's, it's like super interesting, just the idea, right? Like something I think a lot about now as I talk to people is how a lot of times people don't do shit because they don't know they can do shit. And then it really does take yeah. that person to think <sighs> of the shit. And then all of a sudden everybody's doing it in like a positive way. Like it's a good thing that people figured out they could go get their songs played on the radio. So the fact that you made yeah. that happens huge. Um, but like, and the fact that you Thanks. saw it from somewhere else, right? You saw a successful strategy working. And decided to try it is another big knowledge nugget, right? Because that's like kind of market research. <laughs> What's working somewhere else? Bro, let's, go, let's go and take that. Imagine shit. this. I I recorded. We recorded at the studio, right? But we didn't have no nothing. So 
I bought, there was this one printer, an Epson, and it could print on top of CDs. So then I found this store, uh, this factory in Toronto that, that sold jewel cases and, and, and shit and uh, plain CDs. So I bought two spools. I had 200 discs. And I just printed them all. I sat there and I dubbed everyone. And then, then I sat there while it, like, I, I would put it in, burn it, then take it out, start burning this one, and put and put the picture of the album cover on the CD. And you were doing that all the way back then. Yeah, and I have proof. I, I still have some of them here. Yeah, that's incredible. <laughs> I would love to hear that music. I'm not even gonna lie. That sounds like it would be a fire experience to hear like early Montreal history um busting out like that um that's so cool and were you guys like performing and shit uh not presently because after covid and everything back then like in the oh back then no because like i said rap wasn't on the radio bro it wasn't like that like it was on the the like like ckut because there was four rap shows you get it yeah but like, there was uh, street sounds, so on on so that that's how, how we had hip hop on the radio. But as far as hip hop to get hip hop played on like any of the, like uh, mix ninety sixes of those times, whatever they were called, like see? I was thinking more like uh, like concerts and things like that. Were you like doing shows? Yeah. Yeah, no, no, but that's what I mean. It's because they wouldn't even. But the scene wasn't there. It, it was. It was more okay. underground back then. Not has hadn't evolved to what it is right now. Exactly. So it was more like, oh, it's not gonna last. Why are you into it? Why are you? You know what I mean? More like, oh yeah, I've jumped on the bandwagon. Like it, it was way more different yeah. than it was now. And all the dinosaurs are like, we're not playing these black people music. It's crazy and everything. all this shit like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, so it's big. It was that. It was in the transition. When yeah. when it really happened, when the transition really happened, is when when the skater, when the skate community and the hip hop community cross paths, and and that's what that's what that's when it really started to happen. But if you mean like bigger shows, like Ricky D bringing someone down, like that that was possible, sure. But I never opened for any of those shows or anything like that. At that time, in 1999, we were just fresh doing You're it. Saying, like, Ricky we, D's we, been we bringing were, people. We were like wet then? behind the ears. Ricky D back then. Oh, uh, you have to check the timeline. But 98, yeah, for sure, he's got to be doing something. Yeah, that guy's like forever been doing things. Yeah, shout out Ricky D. He's he's the one who brought Walker, if I'm not mistaken. Like he's currently bringing people in. Like I'm pretty sure I saw his name on that flyer. Um, oh yeah, yeah, for sure. He always uh, gets involved. He does his thing. Um, He's an excellent promoter. He's a super show guy, showman. So like, what happens? Okay, after 2000, as the the 2000s start rolling around, do you keep putting out albums? Like, how does your the stuff go for you at that time? Yeah, well, like I said, we're that group was called CAD. And it ended up turning into a street gang. 
and like people were dying and shit and shit. So it was like, it was just a total bad rap, man. It was getting like really bad. Uh, we were considered the third worst gang in the city. Uh, it wasn't even a gang. It, it was just a, something that snowballed, you know? Right. And it's funny because we weren't doing really like, I'd like, I'd, like I was one of the first ones to do gangster rap in, in, around here, like, but also consciously, you know, I was speaking around this about my surroundings, you know, and I was like, in a way, the same thing I try to do now, like, kids, like, you don't need to go and sell drugs, I mean, you don't need to go and do these things, you have other opportunities, you get it, right? Like, when like some of us didn't have those opportunities. Some right. people didn't have those opportunities, you know? So it's like, you not, you don't have to, you can be whatever you want to be. Don't, don't let anybody tell you what to be or how to be or, you know what I mean? Right. Yes. Yeah. So. Like for a little kid in the ghetto, like you, you can make it out of there, man. It is what it is. It's been shown in America and Canada over and over again. Kids in like miserable situations come out being like top cats, you know. It is what it is. It's a good thing. They're obviously learning from their environment. Right. No, I agree. That's a big positive. I like to think that at least these days there's a lot more opportunities, especially with the like how cheap it is technologically to create shit in a lot of different ways, whether it's like art or music or just fucking filming shit on YouTube. Um, but that's serious. So you're going throughout the two thousands is a little bit of turmoil, but you're still like creating music and you're still like part of building out this original part of, I guess the scene that would end up becoming. Cause if you're releasing music, you're like contributing to it. How, um, yeah, but uh, see, but then the CD thing happens and all that shit, and I was like, "Fuck this, I'm done. Mm. I can't do it no more." You know? So I'm like, me and my brother, we separate ourselves from that. Right. And then not not separate, but it just got like dismantled basically. So then. Then we then we didn't do nothing until two thousand six. Okay. When we did the Great City record. And there's like a, a something from that era that's on your YouTube channel right now, if I'm not mistaken. It's possible. Yeah. Um. So what what inspired that? What made you get back into that to decide to make that project? because uh, we always have like equipment here, you know. Right. Because from being in the studios and going to school and learning and all that shit, I always, we always, once we got a bit of cash together, we we we, we, we bought a digital audio workstation, a DAW, you know, right. on your computer, and uh, a MIDI keyboard, and there you go, you know. But originally, I had, like, one of the first ever MIDI boxes that had eight sounds. My friend gave it to me as a joke. And it had that first, like, three drums. It was so funny. It was funny shit. The MP32. That's what it was. The MT32 by Roland, did it? It was a Roland, yes, it was. 
That's that's cool. when you had to use wires and shit and machines. <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't just download a pack of sounds, you know. Yeah, it's definitely a different era back then, and I think there's a lot of um, I talked to a lot of people about how they make music, and there's definitely like a lot more precision I find and consideration ahead of time that goes into music when you have to have those physical limitations and all this setup like you have to think it through more ahead of time and it kind of impacts music in a certain way whereas the current vibe you can more or less just walk into the lab and do whatever the fuck you want and come up with something and it's got like a different element to like the sound and the music that comes out of it so it's like a trade-off with the technological access that comes with it um but i think it's cool that like you've just had all this gear the whole way through and you're just able to be like because you've had the gear like okay we're gonna just make another project we're just gonna keep doing this whenever you feel like the time comes to do it and that's another big yeah. knowledge nugget is to have your gear ready yeah so 2006 we did that we did um it was like a mixtape we just were we were just freestyling and rapping all like on hot beats or like any beat that you like that people were liking at the time and shit like that that that's like um 2006 and that's with tokyo kid i don't know if you ever heard of tokyo kid i've heard the name but i have not met tokyo kid okay well either way he used to go by unique when he was younger he used right. to live around the corner and his family grew up with my family stuff like type of thing because he was younger right so and I, so we had a microphone and that's basically one of the first times he's on a project yeah it's big so we yeah. were we recording lots of people a lot of well. history in this in this in this garage a lot of hip-hop history so this is the same garage that you're in right now where like you were doing all that shit yeah okay that's pretty fucking cool actually um so y'all were just recording people that whole time like you became like a studio for like the neighborhood or something no not for a neighborhood that that's cali because cali's like right across the park right and i we would do our own shit like we, we we would do it to have it because we're sick of going to pay and going to these places and those places so we're like we're just gonna do it ourselves because we know how to do it and right. not to mention the art our studio shut down. Yeah, plus, yeah, and then the big studio that we learned that shut down. So we were kind of forced to get a computer and learn how to fuck to use this thing, you know. So that's how that one went. And so what happened after that mixtape came out? So after 2006, we do the Great City mixtape. Well, it was good, but then. Then uh, every, people just disbanded, like not disbanded, but like went their own ways. Life happens. Life happens, and that's it. So then after that, we then I have kids, and I'm not even I have a, I'm a DJ at a strip club, <laughs> and I'm like I I don't even give a fuck about rapping because. I mean, you're a DJ at the strip club. Blast was there. Blast, me and Blinky, it's because if you was watching this, would be funny. Anyway, Blinky used to bring me some piff, so I was like, 
when when he gave me his mixtape, the first one, the Human Gun, I was like, okay, I don't, I don't want to rap. He just said everything I needed to say. Like, if I was gonna say anything, he just said it. Mm. That's so, fair. So uh, at that point, I was like, now nah, just chill. Plus, like. We were, we were doing so much bad shit at that time. When I was working at the club, it was like, whatever. So we didn't need to do that. We It was like we had record contracts already, basically. Yeah. <laughs> like walk into the club, like, boom, move the line, boom. Right. Get a bottle, boom. That's it. We were, we were doing shit like we were like, Emulating the nineties rap basically. Right. Well, because we're going through it. But in the two thousands basically. Fair enough. I mean y'all did whatever y'all did. I'm not one to like go into the details of that kind of stuff for real. Uh so I'm I'm cool with being mad elusive. But the idea that y'all was out there balling hard doing your thing and the music maybe was less of a priority. Also, I Blast or Blicky is extremely fucking good. Like, I've gone back to his old ciphers, and I'm like, yo, he really, really is an extremely talented fucking oh, Blast. MC. Blast is a monster. Blast is a monster. Trust me. I believe This it. guy used to ride around in his car riding that shit. That's dope. Figure that out. He put the CD with the beats on, and he's driving around, moving around, and and he's just writing it in his head, like as he goes along. So, I guess he would remember. I don't know that part. You'd have to ask him. But he's on IG. Get get at him, man. Put him on the show. Yeah, I'll definitely hit him up. Um, honestly, I met him one time. Uh, I made a big mistake and chose not to stay. Because I decided work was more important in that moment. I feel like in hindsight, I probably should have talked to the guy a little bit more. But I did meet him one time. And uh, I was, I'm actually like, I remember like 2012-ish. Like he had a little buzz going on. Like people that were not connected to the hip hop world were aware and cognizant of his music. And I can't say that that happened a lot of times in my life where like just random people would be playing a Montreal rapper like that in a call center or some shit. And he had no, that exactly. he had that level of shit and it was really cool to see play out and I'm like Well, first thing I tell people well I told people this all the time. I'm the first one to ever play blast record in a club at all, like at any type of club or anything. So you played his stuff because you were the DJ people, at the strip club. And then, uh, exactly. So then all the girls are like, Who's this? And then they're like I'm like, It's blast and they're like, What? Because everybody knows everybody's everybody, you know what I mean? Well, <laughs> yeah, that's a that's big power. So basically, you play the guy's music one time, it stands out enough that the girls happen to pay attention to this guy. They're like, I want to know who that is, and they spread the word around. And it was just, yeah, like, because what I would do, I would get these packs in, so I would, I would always have the freshest tunes. So even like if it was a, one of my boys on the sheet. He'll give it to me. You know what I mean? So, and that's, that's what it was. I, I, when I was doing DJ thing, I was always on top of the game. 
guys didn't have the the, the songs without the, the the fucking noise in it and all that. I I had the fresh song like it was a, it was a pack that was supposed to go to radio station. You know what I mean? Right. No, that's so, dope. So the girls would always be like, "Yo, Sam's got songs, blah blah blah." blah. And then, then you, you said you didn't want to get into it and everything, but I talked Kelly because it's all over now, anyways. Because, like, my brother served his debt to society, and I was, I was, uh, what's it called? Acquitted. Right. Yeah, so, well, whatever you're comfortable talking about, I'm comfortable with. I'm just, I don't want to be the guy to go there. You know what I mean? Uh, no problem. I got nothing to hide, bro. I'm retired. <laughs> See these monster squad shirts? Yeah. They're coming. They're coming for everybody. Nah, fair enough. Like I said, I'm comfortable with whatever you're comfortable with. I just don't want to be that guy that traps people or forces conversation. Oh, no. It's, all, like it's all public information. We are indicted by a bunch of dirty cops. Say a word. That sounds fucking yeah, awful. You can go look up the story. You can go look up the story. This, this fucking cop was getting these cops, these a couple of these cops, they were getting blowjobs and shit off of strippers. Right. And hookers. And when they wanted their man or their pimp gone around from them, there you go. So, who knows how that happened, you know? Right. But I got mixed up in that. Plus, there was a lot of shit going on at that time. Like, it was like... Irish, Italian, black, everybody was fighting. It was, it was not a good time in Montreal. Like, people were, like, black. They were really involved in music at that time. Right. At that time, I wasn't really involved in music. Right. Well, the children. prior to what I had done. Plus, yeah, I just had a baby and shit. I, I, I was like, I can't be saying bitch and whore and fuck this and fuck that. I have a two-year-old in my head, like a little baby. So I was, I was having confi- conflicting, like, you know? Right. I was having things. So then I left the club, too. Started just taking care of my daughters. And that's it, man. And uh, Then I put a... Then, then brings us back to where my brother goes away. He ends up going away for a year. Tokyo Kid comes back out of nowhere after 15 years. And and we make a record called The Apple Project. And I made it The Apple Project because it it was like a project I never got to finish before my dad died. So the original cover on the CD is... You know, you know Apple Studios. You ever see a Beatles record? Right, right, right. Yeah, the apple is the green apple is 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 the cover of the record. But when I tried to upload it, Apple wasn't having it, so they made me change the cover. So I put the other cover on. And that. True, eh? Yeah. You had to change it. Yeah, I had to change the cover. Cause I was using like. Basically, Abbey Road's Apple, you know what I mean? <laughs> so they were tripping. <laughs> so, and then we did that. And then I wasn't stopping after that. Tokes, Tokes took off again. I don't know why. 
no no dissing, no nothing. All love to everybody. But he just decided he had to bounce or something. So Right. We just kept we kept rocking with it. And then my brother created Monster Squad, the brand. When was that created? Like probably around 2017, 2017. Right. Like this has been my most successful time, I guess. Probably because the internet and everything like that and stuff like that. Like I've actually played shows with people and stuff like that. Like, uh, I've been to Ontario, Ottawa to play, uh, Kingston. So, yeah, it's been fun. So, like, basically throughout the 2010s, uh, were you, like, more, were you active in the scene? Like, because I saw you, like, did this Montreal Legends showcase where what I saw that was super interesting there is you made all these promo videos for everybody. And, like, yeah. that was something I haven't seen a lot of. I haven't seen anybody do a show personally i'm not saying it hasn't happened i make like promo videos like that like just five minute videos of like this is who the fuck you're coming to see and shit and i was like damn that's like a really cool thing so like were you involved in throwing shows bro trust me that show was amazing everybody who came there got exactly what they got out of what they wanted i still have cali's performance it's amazing i think that's the last time cali performed actually <laughs> that's like and just getting Callie on the stage is like forget about it shout out to Callie I love is that, bro is that the case is that a real thing it's hard to get him on a stage I'm a, I'm a, it's good to know no, no, I, don't, I don't know if it's hard to get him on the stage if we all picked him up but <laughs> no you know what I mean no I I mean like to get to get people to actually come out and oh, perform right, 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 right. Yeah. you know what I mean yeah, it's a bit of a struggle. No, but it was an amazing show. But what made you decide well, I, to make those promo it, reels and everything? Like, I just haven't seen a lot of that. Like, how did you come up with that idea? What made you go through with that? How did it come to be? Because I, I was starting to get crazy with the promo on Instagram. So I figured, hey, if people watch little videos on Instagram about me playing a song and showing some buildings when we're rolling through the hood, then they're going to watch that, you know? So I took all their, well, you've seen it, right? You've seen how it's done. It's most of their videos and stuff. Yeah, just kind of And like then I just chopped it all together. Yeah, definitely, like, did a lot to, like. And that's another thing. I just, like, I got Sony Vegas, and I, I just learned how to chop. Yeah, it's really smart, though. Um, yo, how did you get into social media? That's super interesting on you. I saw you had all these little videos all over Facebook. I didn't see them on Instagram, but that's because I didn't scroll that far. But um, I did get a little glimpse of what you're talking about. How did you get the idea to do this? Like, that's fucking cool, too. Right, I've always been good at marketing, like, type of thing. That's what I do. I used, I used to pass flyers and shit, too, for, like... Orchid, you wouldn't even probably know that club. It's an old hip hop club that was right on Saint Laurent, Prince Arthur. I've definitely heard of uh, it, but like I don't know yeah. it. Shout out Jay Tall. 
so, so what kind of promo? Okay, so you did club promo back in the day. What was that grind like? Uh, it was cold in the winter. <laughs> nah, but you know, it was just hustling and hustling. I didn't have kids then, so it was like, I would just be out there, go in, get my bottle, get my pay. If you gotta pay, <laughs> you know, if you don't get people in the club, you're not getting no pay. So, so basically, but yeah, that that was a short, short-lived thing. After that, I did that for about like maybe one winter and one summer, and then I was just like fucking partying in the clubs and stuff like that. <laughs> uh, yeah. So then after after Apple Project. And we started Monster Squad, and we've been... So this is what happens, because you asked me about the show. The Montreal Legends show happens when I'm just getting back into the game in 2017, because I don't put out anything for myself for a whole year. I just do shows for everybody. People don't even know me, remember me, can't that kind of rap unless they're like old enough to know me. You right. know what I mean? So it's, I just always got along with younger people too, I guess. So anyway, the first song I ended up getting was the Mad Child feature. How but I you? dropped Caesar first because Caesar was recorded first and I wanted to do a video and drop a video first. Not just have a song with Mad Child, you know what I mean? How do you... So, okay, I so, put the Mad Child song on the back burner. How does one get a feature with Mad Child? How do you, how do you link up with Battle Axe and all that? <laughs> Bro, so first I'm at the show. I'm at the show at the Beaumont. I hook up with him. This is on his comeback, right? You know Mad Child's comeback, right? I get the general sense of his story, too. He's trying to clean up his image yeah. and all that exactly. shit. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's when he was just uh, doing good and shit. And uh, I said, yo, let's get, we, we need to get together. I, first of all, we were talking. And then we were like, let's, all right, I'm going to be here again in about eight months. And I was like, okay, cool, no problem. So then, but in between there, he he gets a show in Kingston. So I call up the promoter and I'm like, "Look, man, I'm gonna give you 200 bucks and we're gonna come play." <laughs> and that's when you got me. And then and I brought uh, what was the OCR crew? I brought a couple with them. Some didn't show up. Some yeah. came with me. So. They got that for we got that for like two hundred dollars, you know. So I, I I don't when when I hear people like say, oh well, I, I can't do this because I can't do that, you know, man. There's no there is no can't. Yeah, but like say a word. It's like you could pay the Montreal price, you can go find out what the Kingston price is, and then just hop over to Kingston, which is what three hours away. I That's think. what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying, uh, bro. Big over time here, knowledge over nuggets. Here, over here, I gotta get over here. I gotta pay a thousand dollars. Actually, that's Please, a huge fucking tip, yo. Fucking thirty people, bro. 
You're right. Yeah, you know what I mean? I'm not disrespecting anybody, but if nah, it's showing on a Friday night and I'm not and I'm not getting paid, don't call me. I mean, you get it? Switch the game up. Fuck that. I mean, I totally... Like, obviously, the promoter is eating. The artists need to eat, too. Especially when we're the ones doing the footwork, selling the tickets. That's how I feel about it. I've 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 been on both sides of the of the of the fence, and if everybody just look, how come the artist gets paid, right? Everybody gets paid, but who's really bringing the show? Yeah, um, I understand what you're saying. I mean, I uh, I stopped performing because I couldn't sell tickets and I couldn't make money off of it. And I'm like, well, that's what I'm saying. I mean, but you that's see what I'm saying. So, you know, like we do office and shit. We I'm like we I don't have just that kind of like buy the tickets and give them up. Fuck. <laughs> we and buy even, the tickets then, and then, I was working in an office, right? Huh? So like, imagine that your whole so like yo. All the people I know are just in that place for the most part. I barely have a social life outside of that because I'm working all the fucking time. So it's like I'm trying to convince the same 40, 50 people that don't really give a shit to come to the show that was started like late yeah, on exactly. Thursday and shit. And I'm not, no disrespect. I was unable to sell these tickets. I know other people could sell these tickets. I'm not saying that it was impossible. So I'm like, nah, I don't know that I could do it. So it really was like I would, if I wanted to perform, I would just spend $50 to buy these tickets. I couldn't flip them. And then I'm like, I'm going to go on YouTube. I think I'm going to do better on YouTube. And then it worked out real well for me like that. But um, I totally appreciate what you're saying. Um, I don't know what the solution is because, listen, I know all about how the bars fuck the promoters on some time slot shit. And the, I heard all kinds of everybody being able to tell me a different person that caused the problem here or there about this so i'm not a thousand percent sure what the solution is but i think that if all the artists were somehow able to get paid the promoters right look the promoters were we're getting we're getting sick of kids going like this yeah 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 we'll have your money we'll have your money and then they come back and go oh we can't we couldn't sell any tickets is that fair to him it's not and i and that's no. the thing is like i get it no. like there's people who huh? on every part of the chain of this did not behave in the like correct behavior you could say i mean like and so sometimes like no, it's just what it is it's how it happened and then all the drink prices went right. up in the city at the exact same time and it's like how the fuck do you compete how do you deal <laughs> with that you know all of a sudden the 20 dollar pitchers are 32.99 and trust the twenty dollar picture is a much easier sell than a thirty two ninety nine picture. In terms of like telling people why they want, it. yo, everybody would ask me, yo, what's the drink price? Like it was the first question I would get asked about every fucking venue I was at. So I became very like acquainted with drink prices, and um, yo, the cheaper the drink is, the higher the likelihood you can get people to go ahead and purchase those tickets. Was something I was also there, and then it's yeah. just like. What ended up happening is a lot of the venues that was still have hip hop are like nine dollar drinks, and I'm like, bro, man, it's like a nine dollar rum and coke. That's one rum and coke for nine dollars. Shh, I mean, I hear you, I get it, but like, that's a hard. You got tip, obviously. Yeah, and I 
you know, all the rules. And even if you don't, I don't drink alcohol like that at these shit. So even if you buy a regular Coke, I remember paying $6 for a regular ass Coke. And I'm like, fuck me, hey, here's the $2 tip. But shit, $6 for a Coke. I know. Yeah. Or when they, or they get you for like five bucks for water. Yeah. I just bought a case for like two bucks. Yeah. But it is what it is, man. You're going out summer or whatever. You know, you got to have fun too, right? No, I hear you entirely. I just look at it. My ability to sell tickets is linked to these variables. That's just the facts of my life. I'm in my 30s. I'm not good at selling shit. So, like, it's got to be an easy sell if I'm selling tickets. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. But it's never an easy sell to sell tickets. Yeah, that's fair. It's only when you reach a certain status. Mm, and, I don't and know, man. I could tell you this one thing. When I said twenty dollars, and, and another thing, look, if, if if the club is selling them on the internet for three bucks cheaper, where are you buying them? Yeah, that one's actually kind of a big point. Um, I don't know how to answer that one, but I do know that the twenty dollar rum and coke. They're buying them with their, with their thing. Yeah, they're going online. <laughs> then they're buying, is online. Yeah. I just so it's like, all I know is that when the Belmont had a $20 rum and coke pitcher, I didn't have to try. I could get seven people to show up at a show without thinking because motherfuckers just wanted to go get drunk on that pitcher and they didn't give a fuck at that point. <laughs> and then like the, the, the four liter pitchers, you, all that shit, it changed. And I really think that that was a big hampering. Plus, um, I don't know how to make stoner stay inside. Shout out to the Belmont. We still love you. Yo, I love Belmont. Belmont has some of the best memories of, honestly, all of my going out life. Because that venue is lit. Yeah. Um, so 2017 rolls around and you start dropping your shit. And you start coming back into the game a little bit. Um, I don't know. Like, you have the... But as a solo artist for my first time ever. How's that Out of all that time. Because I was usually always rapping with like, well, I always rap with my brother. You know what I mean? So that's like always ha- always gonna happen. You know what I mean? Right. And Ace is here too now, so it's, it's like that. But before, like in 2017, when I was on a mission, I was just like, "Fuck it, this is what's gonna happen, and this is what we're gonna do." So we went, we chased my child to the Kingston show, and I said, "Yo, bro, remember?" You said you're coming Montreal. And he's like, yeah, I'm coming. And I'm like, yo, we're doing that, we're doing that feature. So, and that's how I got the feature. So then we're in the uh, make way. We do the song. Dude's like, bro, but you paid for a 16. It ended up only being eight bars. So I got two songs. So what did I do? I put everybody that's in the studio on the fucking track just for fun because I put on for my city. So you see the the monster cipher? Yep. You see how it's just like there's Tech no Luciano, hook. It's just bars. Buds, all these people that sounded like because that was yeah. when they did the Makeway radio interview thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, serious. I also made a radio station on Makeway. You had at one, one too? point. Yeah. Uh, it was a. It was the first dance hall on our line, actually. Catch a fire Sundays. It was called, and then uh, after that, it was like everybody fucking in the reggae world went that way. So I had to step away. 
uh, and get back to what I was doing, you know, because you can't always do, you need a team, bro. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like, yeah, it's not a, just as easy as, like, okay, well, this guy, okay, I'm going to fucking record an album, write an album, go run, pass out flyers, make t shirts, make CDs. That's what I used to do, you know? <laughs> No so, but you had no choice then. There wasn't like all this internet shit makes it a lot easier. But you're gonna see, you're gonna see monsters cry everywhere you go. Don't worry, we're back, we're bringing back the old school. <laughs> I definitely see that. Um, your imprint is definitely uh, being felt. Plus, you got a lot of love. I see. I mean, I mean, I see you posting. I see you posting your pro dad stuff. I flex with your whole like energy. You got some real like. I've been here for a while. Thank you very and much. I, and I respect the fact that you're still doing it. Also, shout out Rocky Promotion. You said you came down to Ottawa and did, killed the stage and did a crazy video as well. Yeah, that's the the video you see with the battle axe. <laughs> mm, okay, yeah, right. That's fucking dope. Um, yeah, we had fun there. That's the, that's the night we shot and we did a video. We did a show. A video during the show and then a video we did two videos in a show in less than 24 hours and drove to Ottawa and came back that's a work. good day yeah that was that was like work work that was work yeah <laughs> because there's yeah war report the song as well yeah it's a fucking good song um I really like the idea, though, that y'all went down, like, even just you and your brother, let's say, I don't know if there are other people, but y'all went down, and because there's more than one of you, you're able to just do more, so you can just be like, yo, let's stop the car and go shoot some shit, and then you're all able to come home after and edit it up and do what you gotta do and figure it out, and that's a really big, uh, it's a big point about having a team and being able to work with people to achieve more. Bro, I'm telling you... I learned this straight from people like Ricky D. Like, you need a team. You need a team. Like, you need a team. You need somebody on the phone calling right now to see who's going to be on your show next. You know what I mean? Right. Like, if you're at that level, you know what I'm saying? Or if you're trying to go to that level, you know what I'm saying? Right. Well, because you are at a pretty big level right now. I find. I but, mean, I'm grateful so, enough that that part's been relatively easy. But yes, I would like to get to a point. Well, for other things, I am at a point where I need people to call and do things. There are other things in my life where I don't have the time for that, it no more. That's what I'm saying. You see what I mean? And plus, you can't do everything all no, by yourself. Impossible. Any artist who thinks that you're going to be able to do that, it's not going to happen. Yeah, Willie's got a really good point. Bookings are easy because cats are... Be Yo, I booked five people or something like that just because I made one Facebook post in the right group and people just hit me up. And then... So it's been, like, easy. But then there's other oh, shit, Oh, yeah, for right? sure. Because, like, I don't want this to But be you know what? It's also life, gonna... Right? It could be the plague tutor. <laughs> no, I think, like, there's a momentum, the right? It's like, locked in forever. Once you talk to, like, a couple of people, other people see it, they get a sense of it. Not everybody's, like, jumping for it. But, like, <laughs> so I talked to a Duskad. Because I talked to a Duskad, pretty much all of Duskad's people now want to do the interview, right? So it's more like that kind of shit has been happening. Like, I talked to a one guy, 
and then he tells his boys and all of a sudden it's like all of them and so it's been really like fucking cool how it's played out like that like i'm not really like well that's basically networking bro you're doing promo same shit you know i like the organics you know what you're indirectly doing it well i'm not really into like because the dude the dude does the interview right but and then his homies are like oh shit i want to do that too yeah, no. which is kind of why I have a lot of my content be other people come. Plus, people, I learned one thing is people fuck with you a lot more if you don't talk about yourself all the time and you make a big effort to talk yeah, about exactly. other people. So this way, it's like at least half my content is me talking to other people about their lives. It's like, okay, I can go do some shit that's selfish here and there and people are a little more. Uh, yeah, okay hey, when, you, when people are just sitting there and there's only one person talking the whole time. And the other guy does it. That's not a conversation. That's that's like a Whoa. or an interview. That's like a like a one sided. You know? Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I don't yeah. know. I had to learn that lesson the hard way back in my album review days. You, I, you edit yourself, and you have to listen to yourself talk. You can't argue with yourself on the screen. You're either saying no. the shit or you're not saying the shit. And when you're hearing yourself say what other people have been saying, you're like, oh, oh shit, I've got to adapt my behavior a little bit. I don't want to watch myself sound like this. And I found editing myself on video was a good way to learn how to share conversations. Why were you like, oh, like, fuck everybody, my album's the best. <laughs> not like that. I, I would do album reviews of like other people's shit. But let's say I didn't like what you had to say. I would just shut, dominate you, talk over you. It was like, blah, oh, you're wrong. I was just like really annoying to some people. Other people liked it. I don't know. I got more views. That was back your then. Howard Stern Yeah, your Howard Stern <laughs> And then um, my my girlfriend's like, I don't think this is the funnest. It's not that it was. I honestly think people liked the content more when it looked like we was all ready to kill each other. But like the reality is, it was shittier to make it. And then doing these interviews, it's all yeah, love. Okay. And now that it's all love and people fuck with it, I'm like, yo, the energy on this is just like, just way better. You know, like it's way more yeah. fun. For sure, you gotta have, you gotta enjoy what you're doing in the first place, or else you're not gonna get the result that you want at the end of the day. Facts. You get what I mean? Because like you can say, yeah, yeah, then yeah, I want to do this. You know. But basically, like for for with the radio show, it was more like the dude. He kind of felt like ah no 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 no, and I was like no no do it. You get it? So I went with him just to start it all up, and then I, I know that I knew he was good. He does fucking work everything and everything. You know, I just crept off and went back to doing what I had to do. You know? Yeah, it's big respect, does. I mean, I think it's cool how much that you've done. Like just, just man, I've helped so many people, and you know what's the fucked up part? People don't help you back, bro. They don't try to help you back. We're trying a to change that. Do, uh, yeah, a couple people do, but it's far and few, you know. But I, that's not why I do this. Because see, that's why they're not me. You get it? Mm, yeah, that hits heavy. Like, here's the thing: I do think that slowly but surely there is a different attitude that's bubbling and i think a lot of it has to do with covid and the fact that motherfuckers sat at home by themselves for a year 
and you kind of yeah, for sure. Now it's for like, sure. well, I want to talk to people in way. Yo, fuck, I've been bored. We have you know self reflections yeah, and shit. Exactly. So, but I've, then nobody uh, at the same time you get a piece of spit on your cheek and you're like, okay, put your mask back on, fuck face. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> but we're gonna get past all that, and then I yeah, think yeah. what's For really sure. cool is what I see happening, and I guess in my position, I talk to a lot of Montreal people of different ages and shit, and everyone I talk to is working on something, and they're not working on shit alone. It doesn't seem like anybody's really trying to be the solo person no more. Everybody's got teams. Everybody's got squads. Everybody's looking to group up and make. And I'm like, yo, this is fucking great. And once those groups learn how to talk to each other, we got a fucking scene that's gonna be making bank off of other cities. And that's my dream. You, you know what it is? It's because nobody wants to raise sixteens anymore. <laughs> I don't know, man. Some people do. There are definitely. Well, that's the thing is, there's like, a, there's a lot of people that like really want right. to write sixteens and shit. Three people doing their sixteen now on the way they make beats slow like that. You know how long that song is gonna be? Seven minutes. It's gonna be like nineteen eighty two. Some people still want that. I guarantee you, there's a thousand people in Montreal right now that would give somebody five dollars to do that shit. <laughs> and if people looked at it like that, people would have. Yo, I see all kinds of music, right? Like I see all sounds. Like you pick a genre of hip hop from the, like look at Oscar Biggs. I don't know how where he's at with everything, but he's got like his whole like fuck what you think I'm going down this old school sounds. Like you guys are doing your things. Um, I see like a Chad Game who's like fuck y'all. It's still like the '90s golden era shit. I see all these people who in the last three years have just said, nah, I'm going to make the music I want to make. I don't really give a fuck what you think, and it's all fire. But then you got all that modern shit coming up. Then you got the young kids doing the singy shit. But you also got young kids who clearly grew up listening to Tupac. Then you also, and it's like, yo, to me, I see everything happening at the same time. All of it. Just like thousands of rappers and shit bubbling in this city. And I'm but like, that's what it is. It's a cool That's time. what it is. Rap, rap grew into like a monster you get it when when they when they had to start saying genres to to, to of, of rap it was over you know what i mean sort of because i came into it after it was over so it's hard for me to fully empathize with that i get <laughs> what you mean like from a culture like what you grew up with it's not the same thing yeah but i still think like if we talk about the potential for a lot of rappers in this city to make money, that's the most viable. Like, I think it's bubbling. It's it's not there, but, like, it's very possible that there are ways for us to monetize this scene in interesting moves that just are modern, leveraging the internet and going full. There is, but you, you have to be smart. You have to move a certain way. I try to move smart ways. <laughs> I mean well, I'm trying to be a guy that fucks with the internet side of things because other people are going to hold down on this oh, shit oh for sure yeah and with that it's like it's yo, all about music but let's say like y'all do a show right then yeah. motherfuckers stream that shit to the internet but what we do when we stream it to the internet is we don't make that stream free that shit costs like three bucks because yo fuck it if the man doesn't want to come he wasn't going to come but he could still spend three dollars yeah. and watch it from home so you do the show in real life and with a little bit of effort, you've monetized the internet stream. And now motherfuckers who might fuck with you in Estonia can watch it because it's cheap enough. And boom, we've unlocked a whole new way to fucking monetize the live experience in Montreal by not even worrying about the actual people who show up. 
All right, right. And now, bro, I don't want to sound like an asshole and say I've done everything, okay? But at Bakeway, right? Because I used to do a Christmas charity show, right? And it got all fucked up. So this is like a 20, 20 people, 20 artists on one show. Right. So it, like, it goes and... Anyway, everything gets fucked up. There's fights, blah, blah, blah. Woo, woo, woo. So... The, there was five people who couldn't end up playing. So we went to Makeway and we went and we did it live on our line. That's fire. And that was like three years ago. So I, I was doing an online shows already. I did a, I did an online show Hello? September 2017. I was like, there's no way I can sell at a bar. Let me just run this on the internet and see what happens. So I did it on the internet. Nice. And my, my, the CEO That's of my company, the CEO of my company watched it. And I'm like, you know what? There's zero fucking percent chance that this motherfucker would have come to a bar in Montreal. <laughs> this guy is presently worth figures, like real figures and shit. And he saw me busting this online show in that one time. I'm like, yo. It made me realize there's actually like tax brackets out there on the internet. And if you get one guy that's just rich enough to throw a thousand dollars at you just because that's like fucking like a real thing that can happen if you're present on the internet. So like the fact that you yeah. fucks with the online is dope to me. Like more people to me need to leverage the internet. What would ways. you do with the thousand dollars though? Somebody gave me a thousand dollars. Um I have to think about that answer before you give it to me, but I have a lot of particular business goals and I have to prioritize them in my head before I can answer that. But uh, I need some gear, to be honest. Okay, with you. Uh, gear, <laughs> gear would be my first answer. I need uh, some mics that are smarter, yeah. and, uh, fucking new See? mic stands and shit. So we go right to gear first, and then after I got better gear, a couple more, whatever, whatever, so then it would be like, okay, now that I have better gear, I can do different See, things. That's the answer I was looking for. Are are you invested in yourself? Oh, absolutely. Or are you just in a way? My guy, I all I've done for like a very long time is invest in this. I mean, I wasted like, a lot of money at like first. Kids, guys, you're putting look, young kids today, rappers in Montreal, even guys, you're putting your money in the wrong places. A lot of them Jeez. are starting to get studios. Don't fucking pay like for numbers on a video. Okay, a lot of the pay for promotion that goes to real people who listen to hip hop. So if they like your shit, they're gonna actually like it, and you might be able to get a fan. That's what I'm trying to say. I I, I agree now, with you. If hundred percent, if you want to, you if you want to look like you sell like eight hundred million records every day, but you don't. Go buy it all head, like go do what you want to do, you know. Go play a Halloween, but I don't know. I've legitimately <laughs> you know never like, paid for promotion like that. I've never bought views or spins or follows. I've never paid for any of that shit. Uh, cause I just was like, yo, like I work in a day job where my company has a social media budget. Right. And keep in mind, if that means my company is paying for Facebook, and you're allowed to use it. No, but it, it shot me how big the budget was. <laughs> right. And then I realized if my company has that budget on Facebook and people be coming with like $200 budgets, it's like, 
man, my company thinks it's worth spending that much money to make it successful or it's not worth doing. And I'm like, okay. And we're talking five-figure numbers. I can go that detailed with it. So if motherfuckers be spending five figures to like make Facebook campaigns viable in their minds, I'm just like, yo, I don't, I don't have that kind of money, so I don't even want to picture it. What can I do to work around that? So I spent, uh, I learned a lot about SEO. I learned a lot about like search engines, how to manipulate them, how to like get traffic, and focused yeah, a lot on like, organic uh, efforts. What's it called? Algorithms. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I go and shit. Yeah. Yeah. So I learned a lot Algorithm. about that shit. Like I know how to write like content that'll rank on Google and shit. So that became more like my and then community building. How do you build a community? You know, like that's a huge thing for me. Like how yeah. to actually collect people around a centralized idea. So I do get to do that at work where I have to think of ways to like get people excited about our products like that and it translates to hip-hop right it's the same kind of core ideas so i've just always taken that approach and i find it's done me pretty well like i actually make smaller money i'm not profitable but i make revenue and i never had to pay for ads like that so it's like to me it's possible well yeah that's at least something's gonna be in yeah enough for my accountant to be like fuck that we doing the tax shit and i'm like yes we are writing off the tax shit let's write off the shits <laughs> yeah for sure yeah because you uh something it's three thousand or thirty thousand the first three years you know you have to pay yeah. if you don't make over that yeah yeah and i'm things like that those are all like uh, money. tax <laughs> bullshit i'm not into anyways um yeah, Caesar though is gonna be a crazy record. When does that come? I mean, I've seen you talking about. It's Caesar coming too, bro. <laughs> coming yeah. soon is a good answer, but I'm excited for it. Uh, That's I'm, what I do, bro. Never locked on a date because, like, I could be there and then oh, come up with another song and then I gotta jump back into the studio, you know? Right. Like I just recently lost a song. Like you took one off the album. Or you like you just lost well, the file? Yeah, basically. Hmm. Fair enough. So no, no, I lo I lost the song because because Broski comes over, starts writing like a, the song that's supposed to be on my record, right? Does yeah. his little part, and then runs off and like it's his record. My brother made the beat, and that was for my record. Right. So that kind of fucked me up a bit. I was like, because I considered that guy like my brother, like almost, you know? Yeah, that's unfortunate. So I was kind of hurt about that. Plus, like, my mom just died last year, too. So that's what's been the major holdup of the whole record, really. Because it took me a long time just to even try to fucking write anything bro i was like you know no nah, i mean lost like because i'm lost. a single dad with two daughters right so right and i lose my mom my dad's gone already so i'm just like here trying to make it <laughs> you know what i mean we all gotta struggle and do what we gotta do but the caesar album is gonna hit because i always I, I always do what I'm gonna like what I say I'm gonna do. 
You're going to see it everywhere. You're going to see your T-shirts everywhere. It is what it is. Nothing can stop it. I believe that. Um, Do you have any new singles lined up or anything coming in the near future? Yeah, I got I got a couple of features, but I want to wait. I'm gonna let I'm gonna let you guys. You'll know what's up. You'll see the video soon. Yeah, I love the elusiveness. I hate it because I want to know and I'm curious, but then I'm like, I know, but see what you're saying because now I'm curious and I want to know, and therefore you're. Leaving. But if, if if you just go look at the gram, you figure it all out. Nah, I know. I hear you. Or at some point, you know what I mean. Uh, so, like, what, had you seen that day's story, little talk, right, right. So I, I give out little clues and this and that. But I got another one that I never even talked about. That's for this. Like it's gonna be like this: a one and there's two, and it's out. You get it? I appreciate that. But yeah, there's big advice and in what you're the saying. Part I like is that I put like a lot of people are from Montreal on the record. And with the other people that are on it, they're not from here. They're from other provinces. Right. So I'm hoping to get a more of a Canada-wide feel to it. Do you understand what I mean? I do. You're thinking big and trying to you know, achieve the vision that you have in your mind for something, which I empathize heavy with. I mean, I like the fact that you're such an artist about your shit, where you, like, have your vision and it matters to you what it has to be with that, like, quality threshold in your mind. I also think it's nifty how long... It does. Like, how come you wait so long? Like, I mean, I know you said you lost your, your mom, which is sad, and um, it's... Ah, bro, I couldn't fucking rate nothing. So that kind of slowed totally down the blocked. process? That's what kind of kept... Oh, it for sure. And, uh... For now, sure. Now you're just like, at the point of deciding when it's finished. No, yeah, now, no, I, it's finished as soon as I get up on the mic and just finish it. Right. And then I'm going to put a mix down on it. And, and that's what time it is. But first, I got to go do a couple of videos. Right. A couple more interviews and stuff, you know what I mean? But I guarantee by. By sometime in August, you'll have it. Awesome. I'm glad that you said that. Um, so, man, I appreciate you, Sam. Do you have anything else you want to let the people know or tell the people? Yeah, the Caesar Records is going to come with like a shirt and a little package, but it's only going to be 50 numbered ones. Mm. Yo, so so it's like that. 1 to 50 and hard copy, and they're never going to be done again. Like, so it's a limited run. You get it, the rest are on, uh, on the internet, on the platforms. Yeah, so you got to make we sure. We got Gorilla G that. coming out too. It's going to be crazy. Uh, Gorilla G is going to be on uh, all platforms. It's called Gorilla Warfare. It's just a short EP of four songs. Right. But, bro, it's like, you know when you're like, bam, 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 bam? Yes. That, that's coming in about a month. Yeah, I'm excited. And we got Ancient Second installment to uh, Split, personality. Split Personality. 
the second one, and that's probably any day now. Yeah, that's also dope. I like the fact that there's a bunch of you, you're coming, you're slapping up multiple projects, you're building up the hype as a collective, and it's a fucking cool vibe. I definitely think that it's inspiring to see, and I appreciate all of you for fucking putting in the work that you've done. And honestly, the fact that you guys put the work in that you did back in the day, creating just the opportunity at radios or even just thinking it up and doing it, you know, like the fact that you were dropping projects back then, whatever it is, like, to me as a person that definitely is part of the Anglo hip hop scene today, you know, like I wouldn't have the opportunities I have today if it wasn't for the work that y'all did back then. And for that, I just have to thank you because that needs to be said more Thanks, to people. Bro. Thank you for respect, bro. And like, that's just kind of important Yo, it's, it's cool, man. He's a lot, bro. Like to me, it's just what needs to happen. We have to talk to who anybody, everyone, even if like, Maybe people don't always have the most numbers or whatever. You know what? The best stories don't come from the people with the highest numbers in my experiences. They come from oh, people exactly. who like out there doing their shit. And, uh, yo, the fact that so much of your career is you put on for other people is fucking cool. And shout out Golden Jenny, who's been watching from Norway. So that's like actually around the world type shit. So that's fucking cool. What's, yo. What's up, Norway? Yo, thank you. Go check out the YouTube. Yeah. Go check me out. Follow me on Instagram. Sammy Skills Farm at, at Sammy Skills Farm and Four. And our YouTube is Sammy Real. Uh, and not YouTube. Or on uh, Facebook, it's Sammy Real because they won't let me put Sammy Skills because they stole my shit. Mm. But yeah, I appreciate okay. you still being here, man. I appreciate all of you watching. And all of you watching in the future, all of the links will be in, in the below. So you can go do the lazy thing and click. Um, yo, thank you. Uh, yo, make sure to like, follow, uh, Anybody wants to call, features, you need any help, you need to have a question, just hit me up, man. And uh, just to... That's and just a special thanks to the patrons, Ismail Gadamsi, Chris Potter, Jonathan Barnes, CJ Black, Hurricane, Little William Scribble. Do support what we do. Patreon.com slash behind that suit if you're interested in that. And on that note, Patreon. Yo, Patreon. My boy's doing big things here. Yeah, <laughs> Patreon's, uh, it's honestly, no matter who the fuck you is in the city right now, open a Patreon yeah. if you're a rapper and put a $1 that says, I'm not giving you anything, but you fucks with me. Then put a $5 that says the same thing and you'll get some people just like that because you'd be surprised how many people might actually fuck with you and we just don't do the things that are available (laughs) you don't have to kill you don't have to do anything just yo meyer clarity got 88 dollars in pledges on his first day 88 dollars i was jealous as fuck not in like a bad way but i'm like yo i never got no 88 fucking dollars i'm just like i'm saying like you don't know maybe you open a patreon you drop it i'm all yo crazy ace patreon all these people do it yo then we normalize patreon and everybody else is out on board and we all get more money because people are just used to it anyway that's a whole other topic thank you all for watching everyone yeah, we, we, we can go on forever about that trust me <laughs> But yo, live long and prosper, everyone. It was fucking great sure, to have bro. y'all being here. I'm just... have, have an excellent night. You too. Thank man. you, everybody. Caesar's coming, baby. Mm-hmm.